Hey, you're listening to Jess and Cody on the It's Her Time podcast. On today's episode, we are excited to introduce you to Jason Holm. He's a nurse practitioner that specializes in women's hormonal health. He is a wealth of knowledge. He and I have been able to get to know each other over the last year or so um, as we have collaborated working with several um, of his patients that have been suffering with hormonal imbalance issues. And one of the things that I wanted to bring him onto today's show to talk about is about PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. This is a syndrome or a disease that is actually very common. And it's something that is also hard to diagnose. And a lot of girls don't realize, or a lot of doctors actually don't share, that there are several different types of PCOS out there. And depending on which type of PCOS you are diagnosed with, there's a different treatment plan. So I can't wait to get into all of the ins and outs with Jason and pick his amazing brain and introduce him to you so that he can help you maybe discover maybe what's going on with you and help provide some solutions. But before we do that, for Mixers Girls Say, we wanted to share some of the amazing testimonials that you girls have been sharing with us. We love to hear from you and we wanted to feature some of the things that you say because we think it's amazing that first of all, that you write into us. And also we're just thrilled that you have so many amazing stories to share. Mm -hmm. I love reading through these with you, Cody. So first response, it was the answer to my problems. I feel great with good energy despite my period being close or or happening. I love that I don't feel most of my common PMS symptoms at all anymore, and it's only been five months on her time. Something that that tells me, Cody, (laughs) is that she has chosen to be consistent with her her time because she says it's been five months, and that's something that we love. Consistency. Consistency consistency is key. And we're doing a whole consistency challenge this month. Mm -hmm. So if you want, pop over. You guys can join our consistency challenge with her time. If you miss the consistency challenge, do it on your own. Yeah. Use her time every day consistently and see the differences. Another review. Her Time Daily is a great tasting product. I have never felt better. More energy, better mood every single day. If I miss a day, I can feel the effects. I will never skip Her Time. Something I wanted to point out about that mm-hmm. is that Her Time doesn't actually have anything in it that like is addictive or nope. any sort of medication. It's just that your body is thanking you for those nutrients and your yeah. body just thrives on Her Time. So... Another review. Mixers is so amazing. It has helped me level my mood all month long. I have almost zero bloating. I have no acne and I have way less cramps. Hallelujah. Overall, I feel so much better and I intend to keep taking them for a long time. Love it. Love it. Yes. Last, I have PCOS and have never had a regular cycle. I was 20 days late for my period, which wasn't ideal because I was trying to get pregnant. So it gave me lots of false hope and stress and decided to give her time a try. It was a last straw. Game changer. She says it in all (laughs) caps. I went from never having a regular cycle to being exactly 28 days between my cycle every single month. It's like clockwork. And I was able to get pregnant because everything was easier to track. I am so grateful for mixers forever. I love it. We love it. Now, that's a fun review (laughs) because you get to pop into this episode all about PCOS. Mixers is a company made for women by women. Each of our products have been carefully and lovingly crafted to support you in all stages of your life, providing you with the optimal health you deserve. Each ingredient we handpick is 100% all natural, backed by science, and chosen specifically to better your life physically, mentally, and hormonally. Each product empowers your body to take charge of its monthly hormonal shift and flows, empowering you to live life to the fullest. Let mixers take care of your needs from sunup to sundown, and you take care of the rest. Check us out at mixers.com, M-I-X-H-E-R-S. All right, everyone. I'm excited. I introduced my guest today um, in the introduction, Jason Hone. He's a nurse practitioner, and he is now here with me. And we are going to talk today all about PCOS. Our goal today is to help you women understand what to look for and how to get a proper diagnosis so that you can team up with your healthcare provider to get the proper treatment that you need and to be able to be given the proper protocol. So Jason, say hi. Tell our audience a little bit about you. Well, hello there. My name's Jason Hone, like you said. I I got a really mixed medical background. Actually started off in emergency medicine and then did uh, sports medicine, massage therapy, and then as a nurse, I got a exposure to a lot of really fun things. <laughs> and um now as a nurse practitioner, family nurse practitioner, I 
I treat a variety of of people, pretty much from newborn through. I think my oldest patient right now is ninety six. So you know, <laughs> and, love it. Yeah, I I like to do a lot of things, but I really do it from a holistic perspective. I had to defend that all through nursing school and and nurse practitioner program, but uh, I don't think that we need to just rely on you know, a simple pharmaceutical direct you're in a box approach. I think we need to have individualized medicine that's taking into account nutrition and diet and exercise and lifestyle qualities and go from there. So, Well, this is why we have you on here because <laughs> I personally, I see Jason, he's my nurse practitioner and he has helped me with my health and, and with my family's health. And I love that he takes this holistic approach. I also love the time that he actually spends asking questions, getting to know you, learning about health history. So this is why I wanted to bring him on because he is a, he works with family medicine, but he has been talking to me about how most of his clients seem to be um, women that are dealing with hormonal imbalances. And so Jason, I don't know if you knew this, but you're the first man we've had on this podcast. So welcome. Yeah. To be the first. But that doesn't mean that you don't understand women's hormones, right? I feel like you are so well-versed, and I feel like we have incredible conversations. I'm always learning things from you, and so I'm excited to kind of pick your brain and and mostly to have our audience be able to um, to learn from you as well. And most importantly, my biggest thing for this audience, I always talk about this, is that we need to be our own best health advocates. And so in, in order to be able to do that, we need to be armed with the right information. So understand what is normal, although I hate that word normal, but what is optimal. And maybe there's some symptoms that maybe you don't realize are things that could be red flags. So can you, first of all, let's just, let's define PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. What is it? And what are some of the most common symptoms associated with it? All right. Well, let's uh, back up just a little bit. So yes, it's referred to as PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, also as PCOD, polycystic ovarian disease, more specifically through Europe and those who have been under that influence. Uh, but the simple short of it is something is off and people are like, wait, what's PCOS? Yes, you can. It, it's, it's got multiple aspects to it. Clinically, you have some findings that you look for physically and on lab work, but you also more specifically for an exact diagnosis, you want to have imaging that shows a specific problem. Very precisely, you want more than 20 follicles in an ovary. Say, yes, this is very definitely a problem, but working in the in you know, front line as, as a provider you don't always have all of those options, but you may have all of the signs. Mm. For instance, uh, there's been a large number of my patients who are actually teenagers who start in with very painful menses and very irregular. They start gaining weight. Um, they start having all of these other physical presentations, acne, you know, uh, male pattern hair growth on their face. And they're like, I don't know what changed. I don't know what, mm-hmm. you know, and it, really terrible for yeah. a young woman to all of a sudden, you know, be fine up until she's 14, then gain a whole ton of weight mm-hmm. and, and uh, really, really struggle. And so I, I've actually picked up quite a few, pa- picked up on that on quite a few patients so that I was like, well, you know, let's take a look at some of those hormone levels and see what we have going here. And uh, so that's kind of one of the things I like to talk about today is, some of the things to look for physically, you know, I, I mentioned them just briefly, but extreme irregularity with menstruation or, you know, having, you know, you can have a young teenager or even an adult woman who has been fine for a while. And then all of a sudden, like say they have a baby or there's a big change and then they can develop PCOS. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those changes can occur at any point. They can be triggered by a number of things, but Things to watch for are that irregularity, extreme pain during menstruation, um, you know, dysmenorrhea. Mm-hmm. And uh, then also looking at at other other things that play into that, like maybe they have a long period of, of amenorrhea where they completely stop ovulating for three, four months at a time, or the duration of their cycles extends to 45 days mm-hmm. when it was, you know, maybe... 27, 28 mm-hmm. before, and all of a sudden it's, it's going longer. And, and 
then combining that with looking at weight gain, looking at um, a change in how the body is storing fats. So instead of storing it in, you know, some of the more normal female places like the hips and the breasts Mm -hmm. and maybe the tummy, um, then in Ashley and PCOS, a lot of times the breasts are smaller than they, than than they would normally be for their size. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it causes a redistribution of where things are stored. So they start to store fat in places where us guys like to store it, you know, (laughs) more, more around our trunk and more generalized across our whole body. And, um, so it's it's a little bit different, mm-hmm. and you, you look for that. You look for the acne. You look for a little bit of um, uh, what's called hirsutism or male pattern growth, uh, hair growth around, and on, like on the upper lip and mm-hmm. on on the chin and on the chest and on the back, right, and other thicker, places, right? Yes, mm-hmm. thicker hair across the body, but generally the first places they start to notice it mm-hmm. are going to be um, on the face and upper lip and. Um, yes, on the chest is a mm-hmm. big one for you, mm-hmm. for you women. It's, it's, it's one that really makes those young girls really to, wonder what puberty is all about, they're right? Like, they're just like, what is on? this? My what's body is freaking out. And, you know, with all of that extra, you know, hair growth where in places that we don't want it, a lot of times girls are also noticing a lot of hair loss, right? On their head. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's more common with, um, with women that, that are a little bit older, not, not close to the start of, of, of menses. Mm-hmm. It's usually a little bit later on, but we do notice that, um, especially as the testosterone levels start to get really high. But let's go back to our definition yeah. a little bit. So mm-hmm. some, some of the other things that help us define that are going to be um, some of those physical things that I talked about in addition to infertility. Um, so women in their 20s, 30s, 40s may, may be like, I have Mm-hmm. You know, I, I haven't been able to have any kids and I'm not menstruating regularly and they're, you know, you start adding these things up right? and that's, there's so many other aspects mm-hmm. to it. Then we have to, then we have to rule out, uh, you know, okay, is there a problem with the adrenals? Is there a problem with the thyroid? Is there a problem with the pituitary gland? And so you know, as a, as a patient, you can kind of look at some of those things, you know, I hate to say it, but Dr. Google has lots of information oh, yeah. out there. Oh yeah. Uh, as, as a provider, that can be a little bit of a nightmare <laughs> sometimes, but at the same time, we want patients to educate themselves. And so if you have questions, don't be afraid to go to your provider and say, Hey, I have questions about this. What can you tell me? And realistically, a lot of them should have ready resources to say, well, if you want to read up on that or you want to learn about this, here's a here's a source. Yes, a good practitioner will be prepared to answer your question. So don't ever hesitate. That's and, and that's really the big thing. You know, a lot of times when if you have concerns along this along these lines, then don't be afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. A lot of providers get a little bit scared when you start talking about hormones. I'm not gonna lie, the first few times that I had somebody come yeah, to sure. me and say, hey, what do I do with this? And and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to talk to people. And so I got busy and started talking to women's health specialists, went to a bunch of hormone, you know, hormone and um, other conferences mm-hmm. to try to learn what I could to have a good base so I could answer the questions myself. Cause I was like, I don't want to send everybody yeah. to women's health. There's got to be a way that I can. That you can them. help. And it's a huge puzzle. It's hormones. Even when it comes to hormones, it's not just like there's one answer and this is going to fix everything. It's a puzzle. And so you need somebody like you that has so much education now and, and can kind of put, I love how you're like, you are connecting dots. You're not just thinking it's just this, this is the symptom that we have to, you know, fix. It's your connecting dots. What's the root cause of PCOS? Yeah. So really you get down to that. It's a combination of, of physical presentation and you can't do some of the imaging like with a young teenager. For instance, we don't do the transvaginal ultrasounds on someone who's not sexually active or mm-hmm. on someone who's, you know, probably under 18 is probably not going to happen. Okay. Um, and really, I probably wouldn't do it on anybody under 21 <laughs> if I could avoid it. Sure. And then um, and then the other thing is the lab presentation. 
And so that's that's kind of the the next big thing to kind of review. Yeah, let's briefly. talk about what it is that you would be testing, what types of tests, and what is it that you're specifically looking for? So like I mentioned, we're, we're looking at a few different things. First of all, if we suspect that PCOS could be a problem, we have to rule out some other stuff. We've got to make sure that there's no abnormal um, growth or hyperplasia in certain areas. For instance, um, problems with the ovaries will cause things to be kind of abnormal on the hormone levels. Uh, things in the adrenal cortex on, you know, on, there on the top of the kidneys. Mm-hmm. Um, even in women, that's where testosterone is produced. So if you've right. got someone who's having an issue, it could be because they've got some hyperplasia there. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a problem with PCOS, but it's just a different different problem. So define hyperplasia for our, our audience. So hyperplasia is an overgrowth of tissue. So right. it just means that instead of having a an adrenal cortex that's like the size of a of a quarter, it's mm-hmm. it's the size of a of a silver dollar instead. Okay, it just means that the tissue itself grew larger than it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're looking at lab work, the basis, you know, the, the the basics on PCOS are number one. A lot of providers refer to it as as um, diabetes of the ovaries because it causes insulin resistance. So we look at all of the stuff associated with that. So you're going to look at it at First of all, you got to make sure there's nothing out of place on the blood work. So you do a CBC. I, I always do a CBC mm-hmm. and a CMP to make sure that uh, we don't have anything really screaming at us with, you know, the blood itself or kidney function, liver function. And then if everything looks right there, we're still, you know, on on this panel, we've got to look at a hemoglobin A1C because if that's mildly elevated, so I've got... I got 14 to 17 year old girls mm-hmm. with this all of a sudden elevated and their diets are great. Right. You know? And they're like, look, I am not eating sugar because I'm so worried about all this right. weight I'm gaining. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm like, okay, yeah, well, we might have a problem here. But so looking at just the A1C isn't going to cut it. You got to Let look- me even just stop you there. Sorry. A1C. Tell us what an optimal range is, because I know that's something that not everybody that's listening today is going to know what we're talking about when we're saying we're going to test our A1C levels. Thank you. Um, so yes, a hemoglobin A1C, it basically gives you a three-month average of what your circulating glucose level is in your bloodstream. And it's an actual percentage. Mm-hmm. So the numbers that we like for you know normal, healthy life are um, 4.8% to 5.4. Okay. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's optimal. Which is what we want. That's optimal. Mm -hmm. Um, When you start moving in to um, pre-diabetes, it's, um, you know, 5.5 to 6.5. And in that range, you're pre-diabetes. Anything higher than 6.5 is diabetes. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, so that you can kind of understand what that number is, it is an actual percent. So I've had patients come in and get tested and their A1C will be like 14.7 or 15.3. And I'm like, okay, we need to get you some help really quick because yeah. that's actual percent of circulating serum that's that's mm-hmm. uh, sugar. So it's like circulating syrup at that point. Right. So, so yeah, we're talking blood sugar here, guys. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're talking mm-hmm. blood Which sugar. Which is going to have a huge effect on your insulin, right? So mm-hmm. not just on so, – mm-hmm. so part of the reason that it's that – it's, that you're looking at that number is to see if the body is able to manage that sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, with PCOS, as follicles build up, they they put out different hormones, different types of estrogens and, and some other things that try to prep the body to get pregnant. Right. And so it's saying, don't pay attention to your insulin. It's basically shutting off your receptor sites saying, no store. You need mm. to get. You need to gain weight because you need to support a new body that's going to be born. Mm-hmm. And, and you know it's it's a it's a mix up on the signals, but that's that's what's going on. And so you look at the you look at the hemoglobin A one C to find out what that sugar level is, and you also look at an insulin level. And if that's elevated on a fasting glucose, you know, on a on a fasting blood work, mm-hmm. then you're like. Okay, yeah, we've mm. got some resistance. Okay, that's that's easy. But you also have to look at other aspects because anytime you start storing or keeping large amounts of sugar in the blood, it's going to create other problems. That weight's coming from somewhere. Right. 
the body wants to stay at a good functional level. So it starts trying to store all of that extra sugar in bad fats. So Mm -hmm. you end up with a really high LDL level, um, you know, the low density lipoproteins. And so they start gaining weight, a lot of weight. So you have to do a lipid panel because you're looking at that. And you have to make sure that this weight gain isn't tied into something from thyroid. So doing a comprehensive thyroid panel is very important. Um, And when I say a comprehensive, you know, the standard practice is to look at a TSH, a free T3, and a free T4 or something akin to that. Right, But hugely overlooked are... Oh, I know. It is. It's massively Mm -hmm. overlooked are the other important aspects of looking at a thyroid because... Uh, I, I have many, many patients where we have discovered Hashimoto's because I don't just do those three. I also throw on a thyro, thyroid peroxidase antibodies and a thyroglobulin antibodies and a reverse T3. So all three of those, one is antibodies that attack the thyroid gland itself. One blocks the uptake of T4 and one is, you know, reverse T3, obviously blocking T3. Right. It's a protein chain that the body makes to prevent its uptake. So, um, you have to look at that whole thing and see if there's another underlying aspect of it. Surprisingly, it's fairly common in, in young women and adult women who have PCOS. And um, so in addition to thyroid and these other things, then you start looking at the hormones themselves. Okay, what, what are the biggies? What are the big scary ones that we need to identify? Right. Well, you hear a lot of times people are like, oh, testosterone levels are really high. But you need to understand that there's there's more than just testosterone-dominant mm-hmm. PCOS. You have estrogen-dominant PCOS. And so when you're, when you're looking at this, you're going to look at the progesterone level. Hopefully this is, you know, at a good level and fairly high. And again, it has to be gauged according to all of these hormones I'm going to mention have to be gauged according to what we're seeing at that point stage of someone's cycle. Monthly cycle. Yes. yes. And we've talked about that on this podcast, how it's important to time when you are getting your progesterone tested because our hormones fluctuate throughout the entire month. And so if you're not, um, it's usually around day 21, 22, that's usually the optimal time to get your, um, your progesterone tested. But if you are somebody that has all of these symptoms that you're describing, you have PCOS and you're having irregular periods, it's really hard to know when it is that your, you know, your progesterone would be at its optimal level. So, so that is something tough. And I don't know if you have an answer to that. Like what, how can they know when that right time is to test? Well, if, if it's completely random as far as how long those menstrual periods are lasting, then it's difficult. But mm-hmm. if there's a range, and so we know that it's usually between 30 and 35 days, then the way that we can kind of tell is um, we can, so we'll say, okay, we know it's going to be roughly in this period, you know, roughly mm-hmm. at this time frame. So we'll just say, go ahead and get your blood drawn. And then we'll monitor for when the the first day of the next menstrual period starts. Right. And then we'll count backwards 14 days because that gives us ovulation. And so then we can say, okay, this was this day. Mm-hmm. Because when you're looking at uh, at the menstrual cycle, and I wish I could, you know, visually or, you know, describe over I know. this. My I feel chart like these have. girls have it in their heads, though. I feel like we we nail okay. this every episode. Pretty much, we talk about the menstrual cycle. But you know, so so the first half, well, what we're going to present, you know, the yeah. the typical twenty eight day cycle. Sure. Um, the first half of that cycle, those first fourteen days, mm-hmm. are the part that varies in PCOS or any other irregularity for you, ladies. Okay. That can be five days. All of that that normally happens in a regular 28-day cycle can happen Mm -hmm. in five days, seven days, 30 days, 35 days, 45 days. But the last 14 days before the first day of heavy bleeding Mm -hmm. are the same for all of you. Okay. So that is the part that doesn't move. That's the part that's fixed. Mm -hmm. And that's what allows us to calculate some of those things. Mm -hmm. So so even if you've got a 45-day cycle, we can go back and say, okay, well, we'll go back, and so you are ovulating on, on day 31, okay? Mm-hmm. And so then that gives us a range. Okay, so we know the hormone levels should be roughly this in that period. Good. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense, and I love that you've um, described it and explained it because 
I feel like for my for my own experience, like when I have either for myself or for clients, when I've sent them to go and work with a health practitioner, so many doctors don't know like when it is an optimal time to actually test progesterone. So I do think that having the symptoms of PCOS with these um, irregular periods and delayed periods, that just adds, you know, more confusion to it, you know? And so I love that you've explained exactly how this can work. And I feel like with, um, with this information, these girls can then also have, you know, a little more power in their hands to go and ask for, you know, these tests and then be able to time it. So it is going to give them the information that they need. So one of the things too, that I think is interesting, um, when you are having, you know, these symptoms of PCOS, um, most likely your progesterone will be low, like, because you're having irregular periods, you're having, you know, um, no periods, probably a lot of anovulatory periods and, you know, things like that. And so it is important to understand our progesterone levels, you know, where they're at, but most likely it's going to be low, right? Deficient progesterone. Yes. And, and that's, that's typical. And so we want to look at the progesterone level. We want to look at the testosterone, but not just in one form. We want to look Mm -hmm. at, at total and free, and we want to see what is, you know, circulating there. And so I usually do free, total and bioavailable. Um, You also want to look at estrogens because a lot of times I have actually found, I can't say a lot of times, but several (laughs) times I have found estrogen dominant PCOS where patients will have um, a, you know, moderately normal Mm -hmm. testosterone level, all the symptoms of PCOS, even imaging that comes back and supports PCOS, but they're, the the biggest problems are the estrogens where their estrogen will be like 600 or 700 Mm. where normally we want them, you know, between maybe, uh, between maybe 50 and a hundred or 200, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or for younger women, maybe up as high as 400, but you'll have, there'll be like 400, you know, 500, 600, Mm -hmm. 700. The highest I've ever had was 1600. Wow. Um, and obviously we had other concerns with them, Mm -hmm. but, you, you have to look at the total estrogens, and then you need to look at the breakdown of those estrogens. So you look at estrone, which mm-hmm. is our bad estrogen, and the and then estradiol. I don't specifically usually look at estriol because I can calculate it from the total sure. estrogens in those two. Um, but then I also look at DHES, DHEAS, because that's the precursor for progesterone. i got to make sure that there's plenty of that or find out what the problem is with it. Also, DHEA being low is a, you know, it can, can say that we might have a cancer of some kind going on. So you want to make sure that you're looking at all of these things because there could be multiple factors for this, for this irregularity and this pain and these problems that are, Mm -hmm. that are ongoing. So it, it has to be kind of a comprehensive look. You look at those. The other thing you look at, and if you're looking for PCOS is FSH and LH, because with follicular stimulating hormone and, and luteinizing hormone. Luteinizing hormone, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. So follicle stimulating hormone obviously stimulates follicles to be mm-hmm. a- advanced to ovulation. Luteinizing hormone is a gonadotropin, which triggers your bodies to make androgens and and my body to make an androgen. Sure. So yeah. you know, but in PCOS, typically um, the luteinizing hormone will be hugely overblown. Mm-hmm. So and and you know, that it's produced by the pituitary gland. And so we start saying, okay, is there a problem with the pituitary gland? So the other one that we look at is prolactin. Mm-hmm. And if there's a huge over, you know, typically normal PCOS prolactin levels are normal. But if we have a problem with the pituitary gland, the prolactin levels will be extremely elevated. So you got to look at both of those. And again, it's ruling out one thing after another comprehensive look here. Yeah. And so. It's a lot. So at this point, yeah. you know, we, we've looked at blood sugar. Mm-hmm. We've looked at the blood itself to make sure it's it's okay. We've looked at the storage system in the body, make sure that things are, you know, that or looked at where things where are being we're storing. Stored. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we've on looked, our bodies. We're, we're looking at the at the pituitary gland, making sure that there's no problems there. We're looking at ovarian function. We're looking at you know kidney function, liver function. It's a comprehensive mm-hmm. look because PCOS is a complicated thing, and it affects all aspects mm-hmm. of, of life for you ladies. And so when you're, when you're trying to weigh all of these in, I ha- uh, there are many, 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 many more tests sure. that, that, that can be run. And endocrinologists could run through probably another about 
nine or ten that I didn't name. Sure. Okay. A lot of them. A lot of them uh, require exposure to a drug of some kind, and then to see the body's reaction. But really, in my in my simplified way of looking at this. <laughs> Which, that's what you call simplified. To us, we're like, okay. whoa, mind's blown. There's lots of things that we need to be thinking about. But yes, okay. okay. Jason's simplified <laughs> approach to this. Yeah. yeah in, my, in my simplified approach, it's simpler to yeah. me. Um, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I've got physical characteristics, if I've got those basic labs that line up with it, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, one plus one. One, well, you know, it's more than one plus one, but <laughs> sure. you, you, it, it, it's pretty pretty straightforward for me to say, okay, look, we've got all the symptoms here. We've got some mm-hmm. lab, some supporting labs. Um, I don't, I uh, especially on the young women, I don't do the transvaginal imaging, and the uh, abdominal and pelvic ultrasound are not always reliable. Sure. So, well, because I think I'm just going to do a little side note there. I think sometimes. Um, things can be shown on imaging that's not necessarily something to be concerned with. I think so many people think that PCOS just means that you have cysts on your ovaries, and it's not. Like you've just described, it's so many other things that are so much more important to pay attention to. So, I mean, it's it's awesome. I always am like all about let's test, not guess. Um, and so if you can get, you know, imaging done, then great. That's just another way to also kind of confirm some of the things that you're learning from these other tests that Jason shared with us. Yeah, there's there's lots of options out there. It's just a matter of saying, okay, mm-hmm. use a little common sense here. Yeah. And so And the moral of the story is to find a healthcare practitioner that is going to do a comprehensive, you know, blood work and all of these different tests because I think that's sometimes it's like all oh, these girls, they go in and they're like, I need to get my thyroid, you know, tested and 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 they get fought, you know, like it's such a simplified thyroid panel that they're offered, you know, and it's like it doesn't really tell us a whole lot or just to even test their basic sex hormones or to test, you know, luteinizing hormone, which is so important to understand too, whether it's PCOS or whether it's HA or, you know, there's so many things too that it's just important. That's the moral of this story right here is that we need to make sure that we get practitioners that are willing and are like proactive in, in doing a comprehensive, like deep dive into what's actually going on with your body. Well, and I really think that that's one of the biggest things that that I get people coming to me for. Right, this is why people come to you. Is well, they a lot of times they're telling me, you know, I tried, I've gone to this many providers, mm-hmm. nobody would listen to me. I don't know what's wrong with me. We'll do, uh, we'll do one of these panels. You know, we'll do a good comprehensive blood panel on them, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well. You know, let's look at this. You know, here's your A1C at this, your insulin levels at this while you're fasting. You've got some resistance going. Right. Your testosterone level is as high as a teenage boy. Let's <laughs> let's get this figured out. And, you know, it's I, I was actually looking into the into the statistics. So according to the CDC, it's uh, they they only set the bar pretty low. They say that only about twelve percent of women have that in the United States. But according to the NIH mm-hmm. and according to several other um, groups that were out there, um, they estimate it higher at more of around forty nine percent that actually could have problems with that. Mm-hmm. And um, some groups have come out openly and said that it is easily currently. And this was like published in 2020 um, and 2021 as high as 21 to 25 percent right now mm. based on current numbers because a lot of the the other testing that was that was put forward by the CDC is, is not generalizable to the American population. So uh, and this was a worldwide thing. So I, I also looked at the numbers for Europe. I also looked at the numbers for, um, you know, several of the Middle Eastern countries and depending on which protocol they they go by mm-hmm. to to determine, and this, when you're saying this thing, you're talking about which PCOS, uh, PCOS. I thought yes. you were talking about which tests that providers were going to provide. No. But gotcha, gotcha. Because because you've got you've got three main different you know rating systems mm-hmm. for determining it. Okay, and um, if you if you averaged all those out, the three different groups still estimated that 49% of the people that they had in their big broad mm-hmm. study um, ended up with PCOS. Yeah, and, and I've actually heard higher. I've actually heard one out of every five women. Well, that has they have PCOS, but they don't 
always know? Because not all women with PCOS actually have symptoms, right? They they don't necessarily, mm-hmm. or they don't recognize the sure. symptoms. Gotcha. Um, a lot of times they just attribute the facial hair to, oh, you know, my mom had that problem, so right. it's just a problem yeah. that I'm going to have. It's true. They they just suck it up and say, oh, well, my pa- my periods are just going to be painful and irregular. There's nothing I can do about it. Well, and they're told that that's normal, that that's just part of being a girl and that, you know, oh, sorry, you just picked the, you know, but the wrong of, straw. <laughs> well, a lot of that's family history too. Mm-hmm. If, if grandma and mom mm-hmm. and aunts and everybody in the family were you know, like that, then it's just normal. It's just part of the thing. So they don't, they don't look beyond that. And then you have a lot, like I mentioned at the beginning, you have a lot of providers who are scared to death to look at hormones because, oh, heaven forbid, we should have to, Mm. we should have to review that stuff. Right. But, um, the bottom line is people can't just be put into a box and say, oh, you're just overweight Mm -hmm. and your periods are regular. There's nothing we can do about it here. Let's just give you a mini pill. Okay. Mm That that doesn't fix it. There's, there's thank you for saying that. A mini pill is a, a form of birth control, by the way, and it's just like handed out like candy. I swear by doctors, like any hormonal imbalance, you know that women are dealing with. They're like, here, birth control. This will fix that. Yeah, well, the mini pill is probably the best of those options because it's just progesterone. It does have a tendency to help stabilize in some situations with PCOS because progesterone actually blocks the uptake of testosterone. Um, so. You know, that it's true. But do you feel like okay? I'm going to just ask him to put you on the spot here. Please. But do you feel you know? Do you feel like it's actually helping to heal the root cause though? Like it's not right. It's just helping to it's maybe reduce it. symptoms for the meantime, right? And and only very minimally mm-hmm. because it's not addressing the underlying problem. Here, this young woman has come in. You know, she say she had she had menarche like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Very terrible problems, lots of weight gain. Um, she's put on like, you know, 40 to 60 pounds, used to be a cheerleader. All of a sudden she's feeling like she's too heavy to yeah, participate. She doesn't even in recognize anything. her body. It, yeah. And she goes to a provider for help and she's just given a mini pill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it does not even come close to what needs to happen. Realistically, if labs are done, then, you know, a combined therapy that's simple to take, you know, to 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 treat is is what should be offered. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even offering something like metformin. Now, granted, there are good forms and bad forms of metformin, but... Um, what do you think are the good forms? My personal favorite mm-hmm. is one that I wish that they had taught me in school, and that is that it can be applied topically. Okay. So there are actual studies supporting the topical application of metformin, and I've used it on many young women and older women who have PCOS, mm-hmm. and it does amazing things. It brings that A1C down by two whole points. Right. And and if it's so high and we're already in the pre-diabetic or in diabetic range, like we need to do something. So this is, you know, I think a lot of people think I'm anti-medication and I'm not. I'm just more like, let's understand what medication does. It's not going to heal the root cause, but it can help definitely, you know, it's a tool. It's a tool that we can use. Well, and actually in this case, because because PCOS can be so insidious, I would I would actually argue that in this case, metformin is probably one of the single best things that you can give someone. Great, because it it blocks the uptake of androgens. Okay, um, by by reducing the you know floating insulin that's everywhere out there, and so you're bringing that testosterone level down a little bit, which is very positive. Exactly. So you're going to have less acne, less facial hair, um, less male pattern muscle development. And then you're, and then on top of that, it's going to increase insulin sensitivity. We don't have another drug out there Mm. that will do that. And it's considerably safer than some of the natural options. I get a lot of people say, well, can't I just use berberine sulfate, you know, (laughs) which comes from Oregon grape and several other plants, literally like only five other plants, but, um, berberine is great at, at increasing insulin sensitivity, but it's also as strong as doxycycline. So if you're taking that to try to do this same thing, mm. you're going to kill all your good gut flora over time. Mm-hmm. Some people would argue with me, oh, it doesn't really affect. Yes, it does affect gut flora. Interesting, which is so important. It's so tied into all of this. Like you didn't mention that before, but the gut flora is a huge part of all of this as well. And a lot of things are pointing to possible gut balance, gut, um, like gut bacterial balance, like problems that could be one of the things that exacerbates PCOS, correct? Well, actually, I would I would say that part of it is secondary to PCOS because as those sugar levels rise, mm-hmm. then what what 
you know, it, it promotes the growth of candida and other negative things in the body. Mm-hmm. And those negative pathogens actually propagate at 20 times the rate of your, of your healthy gut flora. Right. So they like to take over. That, that's actually why if people are given an oral metformin, it'll make them get really bad stomach, you know, stomach cramps mm-hmm. and stomach pain, you know, gastrointestinal discomfort, and usually some diarrhea. Those problems will be worse the higher their sugar levels were. Okay. Mm-hmm. And realistically, as providers, we're taught to start them slow because yeah. it's going to be difficult for their system to adjust. Well, part of that is when when the pH and the sugar levels start to fall, that candida goes nuts and it starts attacking the tissue, which causes inflammation, irritation, diarrhea, and all that other fun mm. stuff that goes with it. Wow. So metformin being used topically circumvents that problem. It reduces the blood sugar, but it doesn't have those negative effects. And, it, you know, there's, there's, there's other things that we could talk about with that topical metformin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not super well known and it's not super no. popular in a lot of fields, but, um, I, you know, a couple of the other things that can be used for not just bringing down, not just increasing insulin sensitivity and bringing down those, those A1C numbers, but, um, topically it can be used to treat melasma. It can also be used to treat, you know, especially for women with more advanced PCOS or like I mentioned, diabetes of the ovaries, mm-hmm. they start to get what's called acanthosis, um, nigricans, which is dark, um, dark staining of the skin at all the skin folds. Mm-hmm. And, um, you can actually use topical metformin on those sites to re- yeah. to treat that problem. Good to know. Good to know. I think it's so important for us to know that there's other options out there. Um, are there anything, is there anything that you recommend as far as maybe not something that needs to be prescribed? Is there, um, do, like we talked about berberine, but do you talk, do you recommend any other types of roots or herbs or any natural, you know, remedies out there? Well, as you know, I'm also a master herbalist. So <laughs> yes, I do know that. That's why I'm like, let's pick that brain. Cause you know, that's the brain so, that I love. So the other part of this is yes, there are things that you can do. There are, there are very specific, um, protocols for managing PCOS using, um, specifically nuts and seeds, mm-hmm. for instance. Yes. And some of those protocols are much too advanced for us to go over right <laughs> at this moment. We'll do another podcast but, episode about that. But uh, for instance, flax seeds, one to two tablespoons of whole flax seeds, if you soak them the night before and then take them the next day in a shake or smoothie or something, um, taken every day can reduce testosterone by up to a third. So for women with really high testosterone levels, it's wonderful. Right. For for postmenopausal women who have really low testosterone, not so maybe good. not the greatest <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. But, no, good point. Keep going. I want to hear more. But- the, there's other things. For instance, um, some women really, really like um, some essential oils. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I see your diffuser going over Oh, here. we got, yeah, so, always. Um, but there are oils that actually can can help to cut that. For instance, lavender essential oil, if applied every day. And that can be on your feet. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be somewhere that you're really, you know. Have to smell it all the time. Have to smell mm-hmm. it all the time. But um, it it actually slows the body's ability to create androgens. Great. So, you know, that, that's another good, good mm-hmm. way to go. Um, if it, if you happen to have an estrogen dominance, then using something like DIM, which is methane, um, it's an extract from broccoli. Mm-hmm. Right. All, all the cruciferous vegetables, right? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. in all of them, but it's, it's mm-hmm. highest, the highest in broccoli. It's highest mm-hmm. in broccoli. And but in order to have the benefits, you you would have to eat about three to five pounds each sitting. I remember you telling me that. Like taking dim <laughs> is like eating, what did you say, 20 pounds of broccoli like, like in one serving? Yes, yeah, <laughs> three to five pounds per, per <laughs> at one sitting. Okay, and that, that, gotcha. That's, that's a lot. So, you know, I, did, I discourage that besides the... <laughs> might be a gaseous effect afterwards. I don't know. (laughs) Possibly. And it also, if you are um, low in estrogen, right, it's not something that you're necessarily going to want to do because, I mean, we're not talking about estrogen necessarily in this episode, but yeah, it's just, you're giving all of these ideas. You want to, you want to be guided by a, a qualified practitioner that can kind of tell you what it is right for you at the right stage of life that you're in, um, what, you know, time of the monthly cycle you're in, all of these things. You want to have somebody that actually can guide you through it. Yeah, I think that making sure that you do have somebody that you can that you can communicate with openly that you that and that I can't stress enough mm-hmm. as a provider 
please be open with your provider. Say, okay, this is these are the problems that I'm recognizing, but don't don't be so married to those problems mm-hmm. because you know Google will convince you that you are right and your <laughs> provider is wrong all the time. But say, look, this is what I'm this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing. Yeah. What do you think, or what could we look at as, right. as an option? Because I really think that that has been the big key for me helping people is saying, okay, what are you experiencing? You live in your body. I don't live mm-hmm. in your body. Right. And I think so many times I I would have people that would come and see me and I think they were almost trying to test what I would know. It's like they thought I was a mind reader. Like I would just look at them and know this is what's going on. You know, and it's like, no, I needed to know like so many, so many things, you know, what their symptoms were, how long they've been experiencing that. What's their health history? What's their family history? You know, I'm sure all of those things that you're also asking questions for, but it helps to have somebody actually just be aware of the symptoms that maybe um, are questionable that they're experiencing, share that with you and explain to you exactly how that feels in their body. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that, that's critical. I mean, a lot of times, especially if a provider is not focused on trying to figure out a problem like that, it can be easily missed. I'm straight up going to say there's been times where patients have focused on other things, told me about other concerns, and we never got into the meat of it mm-hmm. until like three or four visits later. And all of a sudden it's like, well, wow, if I had known this, we would have gone this route. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it, that, that is a real thing and it does slow down things for us providers to be able to solve stuff. So don't be afraid to talk to your provider. The other thing is remember that you are in charge of your healthcare. Um, as providers, we're, we're part of your medical team. I know that there's still some providers out there who, you know, are a little bit part of like an older patriarchy <laughs> and like to, like to say doctor knows best, but realistically you live in your body. We are in an age where knowledge and, and, information is shared so openly that we have a lot of patients who are a lot more intelligent than they ever have been in, in, in all of the past. I love that. Yes. And, and so taking that into account, but then also being willing to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt and say, okay, but let's consider these things as well. I think that those, that all has to be weighed together. Mm -hmm. And especially in a case of PCOS, because you're looking at every aspect of, of a woman's life. You're looking at her, at her cycle, her fertility, her mood, because it very much affects mood. If, oh, a, if yeah. androgen levels are high, um, for instance, libido is going to be high, but if the body is not breaking down those estrogens that are a byproduct of that testosterone appropriately, then, then they're not going to feel satisfied because, you know, it's, there, there's just more and more of this craving. And so they'll have the anger and then they'll cry about it because the estrogens are high. Right. I know it's just a, it's hard. It's hard, but all of this is such important information. And I love everything that you've shared with us today, Jason. There's so much more information that we could go into, but I hope this covered kind of the gist. So you understand what PCOS is. You understand what it is that you need to do in order to um, recognize some of the symptoms that are associated with PCOS. You also have been given all kinds of awesome, powerful, like valuable information on which tests you need to ask for and look for, and then what it is and why we're getting those tests done so that we understand like this is what it is that our, you know, these tests are telling us. Um, and also there's hope, right? Yes, absolutely. There's a lot that we can do. Um, some of the, some of the simpler therapies that I've talked about right now, some of the simpler medication protocols and other stuff, changing a little bit of diet, changing a few things, we can make a huge difference. You know, so like I said, diabetes of the ovaries. Mm -hmm. So getting people out moving so that, so that we're getting that minimum of 150 minutes a week will reduce complications of developing diabetes, you know, more, more complicated, more complicated issues with diabetes. Um, it will it will reduce that by thirty percent. I mean that's a huge, huge. number. Mm-hmm. So you start throwing in things like that, and every little bit of those things improves where you're at. And so yes, there's a lot that can be done. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen patients who were really concerned about their infertility get things under control and get pregnant. I've seen patients a lot of different situations where they were really really just kind of run down. They're like, people think I'm crazy because of this, and it's like. You're not crazy. This is a real problem. Let's get you, let's get it identified. Let's get you taken care of. Yes, so. I love it. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm always 
wanting to educate you girls on the importance of cycle phasing your diet, cycle phasing your exercise, all of these things. I have a lot of questions that come in. What is the perfect diet for somebody that has PCOS? And unfortunately, there's so many diets out there, but you have to remember a lot of those diets they were studied on men and like male rats. And so they don't always, you know, take into consideration females, um, biology. And so it's important to understand that doing something extreme, like a a low carb or like a, a paleo or anything like that, even though that is shown to show, you know, to help with like blood sugar balancing, it's not always the best kind of diet for you as a woman. So if you can go back to some of our other previous episodes, I go into detail on how to cycle phase your diet, how to cycle phase your, um, your exercise and how to cycle phase your lifestyle. All of these things are, have been very effective for a lot of the people that I've worked with that have been diagnosed with with um, PCOS, and as well as using her time. Her time has been amazing. We've had thousands of um, customers that have written into us that have said that getting the nutrients that are found in her time has definitely helped to reduce symptoms. And many of the women have even um, said has gone as far as saying that they feel like they put their PCOS in remission. Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. All right. I hope this episode has given you a lot of good information. You've learned a lot and you've got some hope. Um, we want you girls to be, you know, armed with all of the information that you can so you can take the best care of your health because you girls are needed out there. There's a big job for us to do and we can't be held back by hormonal imbalance issues. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining us on this um, episode. You did an amazing job and we're going to have to have you back again. Girls, if you are interested and you are looking for a healthcare practitioner, I'm going to put all of Jason's information in our show notes. So be sure to go and look into what he has to offer. Jason, where can they find you? What's What do you do? Do you, are you I know you have no time to be on social media, so we're not going to do that. But do you have a website? I do. Um, our My clinic is Whole Health Team Clinic in Provo, Utah. And uh, you can find us at www.wholehealthteam.com. I love it. And do you see or talk to clients that live outside of this area? Uh, yes, I, I cautiously do. <laughs> sure. um, re- realistically, um, I, I try to treat patients here in Utah. And um, if I can get you in person, that's where I need you for at least a couple times a year. I can do a lot of other stuff. Um, with telehealth, but at least once or twice a year, I got to have people in front of me because that's where I Yeah, Jason interface. thrives in person. He thrives yeah. in person. And so, but I know we don't have a Jason in every single state or every single country in the world, unfortunately, but you can still go to his website, see the things that he offers, see the things that he writes about, the things that he um, feels so passionate about, and use that as a guidepost in when you are looking for a practitioner that lives in your area. So thanks again. We appreciate you um, joining us. Can't wait to be back again on Tuesday. Tune in. Jess is going to be back with me. We're going to have another great um, interview. We're going to talk all about hormonal acne. Jess is going to share a little bit of her personal experience. I know you girls always love to hear all about that. And we're going to go into um, all the kinds of solutions and things that we have for you. Um, All right. Until then, have a very happy and healthy week. Thanks for tuning in.